Welcome to the Gatecast. Presented by Alan and Mike. Lucy, I'm home. I am not Lucy. Oh, you're right. We'll just upload a computer virus into the mothership. I was going to do my living room like this. Hello, good evening, and welcome to Gatecast, episode 159. I can't rub your belly right down there. Just in case anybody's interested, folks. Oh, by the way, uh, good evening, everybody. Alan may be heard muttering to kitties <laughs> during this podcast. Muttering to, giving out to, being clawed by... I don't think there's anything you can do to stop it. You just have to put up with it. Oh, I so wish I had the Dalek remote control right now. Why is that? Because she's beside it if I push the button at the top. Oh. <laughs> she <laughs> She'll probably let about four foot in the air. Is that the one with the little trouble with the, the windows? No, 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 no. That that was Gianna. This is Cindy. Gianna's oh, sitting right. casually on the... Uh, in the exact centre point of the landing, as far as I can see, so she's equidistant from all five doors. Right. Probably worked out with mathematical precision. Anywho, zero hour. I will queue up the line. Sit, stay. God bless you, cat. No, not you. <laughs> oh, dear. She's seen the bookshelves, you know, high thing with a flat top. Fine, fine. It's a ladder. Don't paw the darling. <laughs> Jack? Daniel? Are you you? Yeah, you. What? I like the yellow ones. Never mind. Welcome to the news and feedback segment of the Gatecast. This week we have two notable birthdays coming up. The first one on the 9th is Bo Bridges who after a long and successful career mixing movie and TV work, took on the mantle of the commander of Stargate Command for the final two years of SG-1. On the 11th, we have the birthday of Ben Browder, who was the lead in Farscape for its four-year run, before joining SG-1 for its final two years, as the leader of SG-1, Cameron Mitchell. He recently made guest appearances on Chuck, CSI Miami and Doctor Who, as well as an upcoming role on Arrow. On the news front, congratulations to Dion Johnstone, for securing the role of Mark Antony in the Chicago Shakespeare's Courtyard Theatre's production of Julius Caesar. He played, amongst others, Shaka and Lieutenant Tyler on SG-1, and along with his partner, Lisa Berry, can be heard on the Comedy Above the Pub podcast, Season 5, Episode 14. The link is in the show notes. Fools for Hire have released their first episode on YouTube. It follows the exploits of Nick and Mike, two performers who have to deal with the rough and tumble of chasing the corporate payday. What's important to us, apart from it being an entertaining short, is that Gary Jones, Walter on SG-1, is also featured, as well as Eric Brecker, who played Reynolds on SG-1. He makes a surprise appearance. It's certainly worth checking out. Now, Brad messaged me on Facebook to say that he left audio feedback. Yes, he did. Sent it to the Gatecast email. Oh, goody. I wasn't sure if you got it. Yeah, he did. A little bit for zero hour and some for 38 minutes. Cool. Hi guys, Brad from Victoria, Australia here, just chiming on on the upcoming episode, Zero Hour. Great episode, it's good to see Jack out of his element, really out of his element. I don't think he realised what actually went involved in running the base. <laughs> Better potatoes for mash, coloured bunting, it's all golden. I imagine Rick ad-libbed a lot of the script for the episode. Good to see the banner between him and Bowles back. It's always good to see them two together on screen even though Bowl's a hologram. Camulus, Sneevan Gould, conniving, sneaky, just what we missed. It's good to see the Gould back and still being a problem. Anyway, yeah, good start to the season. There aren't that many bad ones amongst the season, and it's good. So um, look forward to the episode next week, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye. Thanks, Brad, for the feedback. It is greatly appreciated. We know of the, uh, <laughs> the trouble you have getting it recorded on the move, so to speak. And yes, Zero Hour and Jack, it gives us a graphic demonstration of what goes on behind the scenes, what Hammond actually put up with, what we weren't aware of. Perhaps not the run-of-the-mill desk job. We've got some feedback, mainly on our Twitter. Michael Cork tweeted, just wanted to say Hide and Seek was a good episode. Quite steady and shows us around Atlantis more. Love the show. I replied, cheers Michael. Yeah, extended the people and events from the premiere quite nicely and gave us some good character moments. He replied, I agree, the writers are moving the characters along in a nice way and we get to see them discover more of Atlantis instead of everything up and running by the end of the pilot. All good fun. 
we have on photo you posted. Miles McLaughlin said, I got to say, I probably like the Stargate from SG-1 the best. But when the Stargate was in operation during SGU, it was really cool looking. We said to say that when SGU was uh, version 1, then SG-1 version 2, and SGA version 3. I like the one better with the moving parts. Yes, that's the order of the technology. Each had their good points, but for pure awe-inspiring, the original movie and SG-1 gate wins out. We have a movie review this week. While I'll do my best to avoid any really significant spoilers, this style of story and overall genre really doesn't hold too many surprises, and well, it bears a resemblance to one or two recent movies, so it doesn't offer anything really new. So, six bullets. What makes this worth reviewing? And there are two reasons. The first is Joe Flanagan, who played John Shepard in Stargate Atlantis, and the second, Anna Louise Plowman, who was Sarah Gardner and then Osiris in Stargate SG-1. It has to be said that in years gone by, the pull of Jean-Claude Van Damme alone would have been enough to get me to watch this movie, but it's been a while since he's made a decent flick. In a surprising twist, Six Bullets is a decent suspense action thriller, borrowing from a tried and trusted narrative of a kidnapped young girl intended for the sex trade, and a desperate search by her parents and their surrogate muscle. In this case, Jean-Claude is a former French Foreign Legion soldier, who has specialised in high-value rescues extractions of youngsters. But on his last case, there were complications, and he has been haunted by his mistakes. First, he turns down the pleas of Andrew and Monica Faden, Joe and Anna Louise. But hey, what do you know, he comes around and pops up at the right time and in the right place to join forces with the parents, and start to follow the loose threads of the kidnapping tapestry. The movie has a lot of set-piece action sequences, making use of the less-than-uber moves Van Damme is now capable of, but the guy is still built, so it's still pretty impressive. Joe, while not being as ripped, is a solid dude, and his fight scenes look excellent, and along with Anna Louise, they played the part of distraught parents quite well. The subject of the movie, being kidnapping and exploitation of children for sex trade, and some older girls and women, is, well, pretty brutal. While not being gratuitous, they don't pull too many punches, and it perhaps shows to a degree how easy it is to abuse the weak elements of society when the overall laws and authority are taking an active disinterest, or lack the ability or desire to act. Now don't get me wrong, this movie is pure entertainment, but a little dose of reality can push a relatively cheap straight-to-DVD feature up a few notches, and certainly away from the bulk of movies Jean-Claude has done recently. My favourite scene of the movie featured Anna Louise letting her character's desperation out in a single violent yet controlled act, it was perhaps the most nasty, and since it was unexpected, the most rewarding set piece, and good to see the movie portray a strong woman, one who is only a victim by proxy. Becky! Becky! In international news, the mysterious disappearance of Becky Faden, the daughter of former MMA champion Andrew Faden, continues to stump police. It's been two days. I share your frustration. We were told that you were the best. Finding people, it's what I do. He's an ex-mercenary, a hired killer. Do you really want such a man working for you? I'll hire the damn devil himself if he gets my daughter back. Where is she? I want the men in charge. I just want the kid. <laughs> you find this girl as quickly as possible. If not, I'll carve out your eyes. Leave police work to the police. Here to punish. What do you know about this man? Does God really forgive? Good mind. I won't. Six Bullets was directed by Ernie Barabesh, who also directed the miniseries Meteor, and was written by brothers Chad and Evan Law. It had its DVD and Blu-ray premiere on the 11th of September in Canada and the US. The market's getting releases in the following months. And you know what? If you're in the mood for a reasonable violent action thriller, then you won't go far wrong. This is the Emperor. You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Eat it. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Join us, your hosts, Miles P. McLaughlin and Scott Herzog, as we serve up a delightful menu of science fiction interviews and news in the television, movie, DVD, and book world. Test your geek cred with trivia. Top off your meal with the Sci-Fi 5 and 5. Come visit the Sci-Fi Diner podcast at scifidinerpodcast.com or subscribe to us in iTunes. We're serving up Sci-Fi from here to the end of the universe. Anyway, 
shall we kick off before the line on Julie pauses? Yeah. Or the cat decides to step on the space bar back off. <laughs> yeah, we're good to go. Right. Ever a three, ever a doe, ever a hen, flicky. Fade to black, fade in on. Previously, on Stargate SG1. My ball. As in Bachi. Jack being slammed against something by twisty gravity. Yes. We came all this way just to find out that we have to go all the way back. No. Abyss. When we first saw Jack with Ball. That's, of course, Lost City, which we covered a couple of episodes ago. And the ZPM. Have we actually started calling them ZPMs yet? They do in this episode. Yeah. Okay. My fleet was destroyed before I came here. Camulus. A desperately cowardly Camulus. But looking good. Not as good as Tori. Tracy. Tori. Thank you. <laughs> I never began with T, and I had two syllables. Yeah, you were there. I spent my whole life sticking it to the man. I don't think I can be the man. And that's from New Order, so we're pretty much up to speed. I shot the, the mountain. Morning, sir. Five days to zero hour. Yes. At 07.30 this morning, SG-8 made scheduled contact from P6J908. They requested permission to bring an alien life form back to the base for further study. Walter, sir, coffee boy. <laughs> Why should Jack get worried about that? He's brought more things back. True. Folders on your desk, along with the personnel files you have yet to review. What's him? Don't you like his coffee? How many do I have left? All of them. Oh. Right. Colonel Rudnell has asked me to show you some bunting samples, and um, Captain Corrigan's still waiting approval on the buffet menu. Bunting. Bunting. Jack's living a, a hectic life. You are aware of the fact that this is the most secure military facility on the face of the planet. Well, actually, sir, there are still a number of issues to be resolved. 1,000 hours, sir. Thank you. Who'd have thought being a Brigadier General meant you had to pick bunting? John Pryor, played by Michael Ryan. Mm-hmm. We don't see much of him, he's just kind of setting the scene. General O'Neill, Mark Gilmore. He's your new administrative aide. General? Did I order no, one sir. of these? Do I really yes, need... sir. Ah, new person. See, that's what happens when you have a door-open policy. People come in. <laughs> Watch Gary Jones now. He is on the verge of laughing every second of this scene. Every second. <laughs> yes, you can see you can see him struggling not to grin there. That guy looks familiar though. <laughs> Stop grinning. <laughs> I wonder if they got this in one take. Is this RDA being deliberate? Well, I don't know, because we saw him act very strangely with Vasilov in the mm-hmm. in the last Stargate episode. In uh, Gary Jones, desperate origin not to giggle. Is this RDA joshing him? Well, he probably figures, I've got all these lines. I better not screw it up now, not once. Even though he's a, he's a comedian by trade. Yeah. Is RDA tall or is Gary short? I've never seen the two of them standing so close together with a direct height comparison. Gary's not tall. Something that really surprised me was uh, how short Judy Dench is compared with Daniel Craig. Never really noticed. She's almost in the vicinity of the solar plexus. She looks tiny. Ah, but she acts big, and that's half the uh, challenge. True, she's like Randy Weatherwax. I take it I've got some catching up to do. Yeah, and those are just the files pertinent to today's agenda. Well, I'd better get started. I can't tell you how happy we all are to have you here. Thank you, Sergeant. Really, really happy. Thank you, Sergeant. We could take that the wrong way. Be careful. <laughs> oh, ominous music. Bongo. I'm in position. No, sir, he does not suspect a thing. It's easy to get an outside line mm. in a secure military facility, isn't it? Oh, dear. Da, da, da. Well, yeah, I suppose that call is probably recorded for training purposes. <laughs> anyway, go on. I don't want to interrupt your thing. Okay, then. Zero Hour. Stargate Season 8, Episode 4. Could be 158, could be 159. Written by Rob C. Cooper, directed by Peter West. This is his... 11th attempt at directing, and by attempt, that not to mean a negative. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, after I said it, I realised it was kind of... <laughs> anyway. First aired in the US on the Sapphire Channel, July the 30th. The UK got it October the 26th. Australia, November the 11th. And the Canadians, February the 23rd, 2005. Series with the same episode title. Enterprise, Lights Out, FX, a series, Whale Wars, Star Tonight... Inside 9-11. There's also been a couple of TV series of the same name and quite a few movies as well. That was nicely timed. 
you did rush, but you just got to finish as a faded out. <laughs> These are very militarily titled episodes. Well, I'm kind of setting the scene again with Jack as a centre stage. Mm. While he's on set, let's make the most of him. In the rare occasions he is on set and he's not off. Does RDA actually <laughs> fish? I'm not sure. Walter, I just don't have the decorating gene. Would you mind? Yes, sir. David Kaufman? He's sure. playing Mark Gilmore. You said, General oh, he looks familiar. Because uh, the name looks familiar as well. I know, sir, but every time I open my mouth to say George, General comes out. Oh, SG-1, impatient. Hmm. They want to act it like this Hammond. Indeed, no. But they know, Jack. <laughs> That's a nicely figure-hugging jumper the man is wearing. Still military, though. Hmm. Okay. General. Colonel. We've all met. Yes, actually, we know each other's life stories. That snippiness? Is that a word? What do you got? A gate address. A planet formerly in Anubis domain that apparently Baal hasn't discovered yet. That we know of. I believe it may be home to an abandoned base. And just chock full of abandoned weapons? One can hope. This device was procured from Jaffa, formerly loyal to Anubis. It should allow us access to the base. <laughs> Come on, you're not that lucky. <laughs> Seriously. What is he fitting with? As he was just saying, a device to gain well, access to the base, which yeah. looks like an armband activation button. Mm. I mean, I think we first saw them in the actual movie itself. Mm. Is it? <laughs> it is now. Involves you. I still want SG-3 to cover your flanks. It's just recon. All the more reason you can wait another day. Thought they had more than 15 teams. Thought they had about 18. Yeah, well, he said out there, maybe the other four are resting or rotated off or injured. Love this day, Jack. Jack, if those Rebel Jaffa know about it, it's only a matter of time before Ball knows about it. One day, then. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much sums up Jack's attitude to anything diplomatic or bureaucratic. Give me an alien with guns, no problem, but <laughs> sitting in a room across a briefing table. It's a blue alert, you know, if we go to a red alert, it does mean changing the bulb. <laughs> the noises behind you are the cat exploring the rather unstable pile of boxes. I'm waiting on a thump followed by a meow. It's a very unstable pile of boxes, I consider it a sort of obstacle course. That's an interesting shot. It's a plant. Exactly. 20 minutes ago, it was a seed. Ah, Dr. Felker? Dr. Lee. Sorry. And it's a plant, as Jack says. Mm. Quite right. <laughs> He's not overly impressed. When Jack brings something alien behind him, mm. it's not a plant. Yeah. And besides, off-world teams follow strict safety protocols in determining what to bring back to Earth. You know, if humankind is going to benefit from what we find out there, we have to be able to study it in controlled situations. It's a plant. I know, I, I, I know, and I know our mandate is to seek out new weapons and technology to defend the planet from our enemies, but wouldn't it be cool if we could exploit the wonders of the galaxy for other beneficial purposes, like curing disease or, well... Dr. Lee has a point here. Keep going uh, looking for weapons and that sort of technology, but food production, plants that can feed people, mm -hmm. just as important and valuable. Why are the lights behind a sort of uh, heartbeat, pulse rate type pattern? Probably because whoever set it up thought it was pretty. They watch in the briefing room. Quick, catch him before he gets to the cafeteria. Too late. Too late. That's Windows 3.1. <laughs> it is, I recognise it. Working, gonna say, working. O'Neill merely believes that... Guys, I'm fine. Yeah, you can't really blame him for when he's sending backup. I mean, I'm sure it has nothing to do with you. I understand, he's just being cautious. He all look cheerful, don't he? Yes, he's actually smiling. Maybe it's the hair. Maybe the hair allows him to express emotion now. <laughs> yeah, every morning he got up and looked at his bald head and went, oh. <laughs> now it's, hey. <laughs> she doesn't trust the smile. Suspicious. This is a very Jack-centric episode for this season. Uh-oh, uh Major Davis, <laughs> it's all going to go wrong. Oh, dear. Colin Cunningham, of course we're seeing him in Falling Skies. Maybe they need a timeout. Oh. <laughs> the plains of Goran are sacred ground to the plainsman. I am a plainsman. Hmm. I know. I take offense at that. Okay, you're going to say these two? Yes, these two delegate. Uh, don't ask me which is which. Mm -hmm. Just say James and James Ashcroft. All this negotiating, it's just exhausting. And you've been at it a whole hour already. We've prepared special quarters for you. You can relax, 
get a massage. <laughs> I'd like to see this backstory. Yeah. Why are these two leaders come to the SGC for their uh, diplomatic negotiations? What are, what, are the, what, is, <laughs> what has their planet got to offer the Earth that we're taking this much interest? They do a good line in robes, I'll give them that. A bit Vulcanish. Yeah. More sort of Meiji-ish, truthfully. Not twice when you're ready to talk like adults, all right? Wait, 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 General. You don't expect us to share one room. Not amicably at first. <laughs> he does. <laughs> Not amicably. Oh, got ya. You can't do this. Open this door at once. Nobody gets out. <laughs> That's the Jack negotiation skills. Oh, that with a guard. Let him out. No, why not? Because the Brigadier General told me not to. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're a rank General O'Neill. Brigadier is below full General, isn't it? Yeah. Dear General Hammond, wish you were here and that I was not. And this is kind of the subplot, a day in the life of Jack O'Neill. Yes. O'Neill. Good morning, sir. Delegates from AMRA are furious. They're demanding to be released and say there's no chance that a trade agreement will ever happen between our governments now. Did they try the donuts? You made sure they were Krispy Kremes, right? Uh, shall I release them and send them home, sir? Give them another day. But, sir, I... No I, coffee? I, uh, sorry, I can get... What's some. next? Uh, well, uh, Dr. Lee needs to see you right away concerning the plan from P6J908. Mark Gilmore, as we said, played by David Kaufman, American actor. He's been in The Mentalist, Lie to Me, The Closer, and does also a lot of voice work, including being Jimmy Olsen in the Superman TV series. Is he supposed to be a civilian adjutant to Jack? He's CIA, but he's administration-like. He's been sent to the SGC as a glorified PA. Yes, for the fight. <laughs> oh, no bunting. This is a fun episode. <laughs> oh, God, where have you gone to? I like that. Jack just twisting the knife. He's having a little fun. He's, I mean, he's only met him for one day. He's also having a bit of fun with him, so he must like him. I'm in tree. Oh, Daniel's actually adjusting the bandana. Where's <laughs> Teok? Oh, there he is. There he is. He's to spot with hair. He is, isn't he? You see someone <laughs> in the background, you go, oh, hair, right, sorry. I think the shaven head, you know, really made the emblem stand out. Now it doesn't. Uh, what a boring planet. They could have done a little colour correction on the trees, which they'd done before to make a planet actually look alien, and not just a bit of woodland. Somewhere outside Vancouver. Yeah. Colonel Reynolds, played by Eric Brecker, we've seen him before. He's been in 16 episodes of Stargate SG-1. That plant seems to have uh, grown. It hasn't eaten anybody yet. Well, thank you, Seymour. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Little Shop of Horrors reference there. It seems to respond really dramatically to any kind of visible light. <laughs> That's really simple. <laughs> yes, I'll solve this problem. Yeah, well, I thought of that. I just thought you might like to see it. Yeah, Jack isn't impressed. No. no don't worry, we'll get it under control. Sir? <laughs> Where am I? Can <laughs> you turn off all the monitors as well? Next time, bring a machete with you. Yep. Awfully ominous for foot-level uh, camera. There's some poor bugger on his knees there, isn't there? I'd hope it's the steady cam. There are signs of recent Jaffa activity in the area. Try the wrist device again. I have tried it several times. Well, you can't just walk around the planet pressing a button and, and assume that eventually a door... Or, or perhaps you can. <laughs> you knew that was going to happen. I didn't know it was going to be that well-timed. <laughs> well, but my point was made, they have been walking around just pressing the button. They assume this base is in the vicinity of the gate, and there's no guarantee it would be. You're wandering through a car park when you've forgotten where you park. Yeah. Bosco, if we don't make radio contact in ten minutes, dialers and report in. Hey, come on! Oh, Ooh. dear. I think they've spotted you. <laughs> yeah, that's an alkesh, isn't it? At least they weren't shooting at you. Yet. <laughs> Sir, Colonel Reynolds is dialed in from P2X887. He's lost contact with SG1. So the gate actually dialed, mm -hmm. and Jack didn't go to see who it was. I've been unable to make radio contact with SG1 going on 19 minutes. Requesting backup and permission to begin searching. I see 10 and 12. Back up on the way. Thank you, sir. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> not only does it have amazing growth properties, but it's proving extremely difficult to eradicate. 
<laughs> wow, that's a tough plant. We think it's uh, using the ventilation shafts to spread airborne spores. Doesn't it bear any sort of fruit or anything? Mm. It was a good idea to bring this fast-growing plant back. It's a pity if it doesn't actually bear any fruit or food or anything. Well, maybe the leaves can be used as fertilizer if they mulch down. We looked everywhere. No sign of them. Sorry, sir. You were there to watch their back. You didn't look everywhere then, did you, mate? See, you gave up. Yes, it got dark, so you came home. Admit it. Yet, sir. Bleep, bleep, bleep. Yes, a very different approach to command than uh, General Hammond. Stand down, boys. Oh! Hello. And what do you want? I have your friends. Come on, Jack. Which ones? Which friends? <laughs> For what? Not what. Oh. Whatever. Yes. Ooh, grammar lessons from a system lord. Who's nicked Anubis's holographic technology? Don't send it to me. You want to see your friends alive again? Hmm. <laughs> they weren't good friends. I am sure Cliff had great fun playing this role. You can clearly see he's enjoying it immensely. Yeah. We've got another tweet from Misa in reference to everybody likes Ball, and she says, "I'm sure there's some out there who doesn't like Ball, although that might see him." Nothing to report from the teams in the field. Rebel Jaffa, Tokoro, no one seems to have any intel on SG-1. And as ordered, Camulus is being transferred here from the facility where he was being held. He should be here shortly. There's no trust his PA's coffee. I think there's coffee and then there's coffee. Oh, true. A friend of mine uh, said, actually asked uh, myself and his wife, you know, well, why don't you just have decaf, you know? What's the difference? And we both just looked at him and said, you really don't understand coffee, do you? <laughs> I can't really say because I just drink instant. I only drink coffee in order to wake myself up. Yeah, there seems little point having decaf. It's not like rich flavour of instant, you know? It's on the table. He's here. Colonel, have your team ready. Yes, sir. Isn't it already too late? General Neal was once captured by Ball. He was tortured, killed, and brought back to life using a sarcophagus more times than you would care to imagine. SG-1 never gave up then, and General O'Neill won't now. There isn't a man or woman on this base that would. Ooh. Put him in this place, Colonel. <laughs> yes. Regretting that flippant remark now, aren't you, sunshine? Yeah. <laughs> Didn't you read the mission debriefs? There were a lot of them. And he's offered up an exchange. For me. Any idea why? There are many possible reasons. Well, technically, you were assuming he's got three of your people, which this whole episode hinges on. Yep. An assumption. You offered to help us if we granted you asylum. I did not expect to be treated like a prisoner. Yes, I may be a pseudo-prisoner, but I've still got hair product. <laughs> I wonder if it's Dapper Dan. <laughs> what are you going to do? Give me one good reason why I shouldn't turn you over. Ball cannot be trusted. <laughs> and you can? <laughs> yeah. No matter what you do, he will never return your friends to you. It's strange, isn't it? A lot of the system lords expect to be treated fairly. <laughs> I thought you were just going to question him. He didn't have the right answer. General, this goes against official policy regarding prisoner exchange. Not a prisoner. He requested asylum. I'm ungranting it. You can be court-martialed. You know, if it gets my team back, I don't care. But you know it won't. You're sacrificing him for nothing. I say, he's probably speaking truthfully. No, be careful, Mark. Jack likes you, but if you keep on like this, he'll stop liking you. He doesn't like him. He's putting up with him. Well, he joked with him, you see, and that's rare for Jack. That was interesting. Nobody. That Kawushi went over to the right headphone and came back and left him. <laughs> now, if you want to intimidate him, have him stand there before it Kawushes. Now, Jackie's actually, or I should say, Richard Dean Anderson is actually restraining himself here because mm. normally he loves to touch the event horizon, regardless of how much it costs to actually animate the effect. Mm. It's up to you. Last chance. In spite of what you think, I am not a coward. Oh. <laughs> I think you are. This is a bit much. If he'd rather go to Bolton, stay where he is. 
<laughs> Probably figures he can cut a deal. He looks like he confused it. <laughs> yeah, bad looks on it. Well, it's worth a try. Take him back to his cell. It, it was a bluff. <laughs> oh, he's back. You could have told me, sir. How can I do my job if you don't trust me? Not my problem. Wait, wait, wait. Candy looks like to talk to you. I cannot stay here. If Ball is truly so determined to have revenge, he will not stop at this. It is not safe for you to harbor me anymore. So what? I am saying I am willing to leave. Out of the goodness of your heart. Oh, such consideration for the human race. <laughs> when I asked for asylum, I did not expect to rot myself for the rest of my well, life. Well, work with me. Give me something. See what I can do. Yeah, anything. Yes. I can tell you of a planet where there is a device created by the ancients. What's it do? I do not know. I never could discover its secrets. Perhaps you can. You think this is what Ball's really after? While I never disclosed its location, I once made the mistake of bragging that I found the device at a meeting of the system lords. <laughs> yes, that was very helpful. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you bragged. Imagine that. I knew it wasn't easy for you. But had I known what it was really like, I would have tried to be less of a pain in the ass. At least I would have tried harder. Mm, interesting voiceover. <laughs> in. <Yeah. laughs> Says a lot about Jack Lance. <laughs> yeah. Walter. Receiving SG3's IDC, sir. Open it. Yes, sir. Ball again? The gate's working overtime, isn't it, in this episode? That was a nice. We haven't seen it do that on the screen before, have we? No. You forgot something, lad. Just like you said, sir. Some sort of ancient device, size of a large room. Any idea what it does? I'll leave that up to the tech guys. Yeah, did they actually send any scientists? I know why I couldn't turn it on. Ooh. PM. First mention thereof. Wasn't plugged in. What? What is it? It's a ZPM. What is that? A zero-point module. Um, it's a, an ancient power source that draws its energy from subspace. It's the only thing powerful enough to activate the ancient defense weapons SG-1 found down in Antarctica. Oh, Dr. Lee's excited. Almost more exciting than a plant. Oh, this one sure isn't. How good is it? Well, I'm going to have to do some more detailed analysis, but these preliminary readings indicate at least 50% capacity. Well, that's, that's good, isn't it? How the hell can he actually detect that? Excuse me. <clears throat> I assume green light is a theme. Not that I'm blind, isn't it, Jack? <laughs> hey, We've lost power to all control systems. But apparently not the phones. That's a good point. They should have a little handle that you've got to turn to generate a little bit of current, like the old school. Actually, in fairness now, uh, speaking from personal experience, when power cut here, a phone line carries its own independent power. Well, they do here as well. Yeah, so, in theory... If this plant has actually uh, invaded the power systems, imagine it wouldn't be that selective. It'd take them all out. You have power to your entire house, your phone still works. Yes, because it's on a, a separate grid. I wouldn't have thought there are secondary generators for communications when this probably runs off a nuclear reactor. Without you worrying. Well, let's face it, if you're going to build a facility that can withstand a nuclear attack, you don't be running off diesels, would you? The one I was in was. How many uh, nuclear silos have you been in? One, in Arizona. A missile silo is meant to be used once, and that's it. Cheyenne Mountain is NORAD, yeah. or was NORAD. Yeah. It was meant to operate during a nuclear strike. Fair enough. It was dark, isn't it? It is, it can have some lights. Manual control. What about dialing the gate manually? Uh, that's a problem. The inner ring seems to be locked in place. We tried disconnecting the control interface, but... There was a gate diagnostic running when the power went down. Could be something to do with the commands being exchanged at the time. Bottom line. We can't dial out. Okay. Two days to zero hour. Very matrixy, isn't it? The green? Yeah. But it predates it. 
I think. Perhaps the uh, Wachowskis actually watched this episode and thought, oh, that looks good, doesn't it? We can no longer call them the Wachowski brothers. No, we can't. What? Oh, God. Sorry to wake you, sir. The set actually looks quite good under this lighting. Yes. Feels like it's been ten minutes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it feels like ten minutes. That's because it has. <laughs> Ball wants to talk. Ball! Sorry to keep you waiting. Let's take a little nap. The deadline has passed. Yeah, look, we're having a little technical difficulty here. Are your friends' lives meaningless to you? Hey! This is not a stall tactic. I would have called you sooner, but we can't dial out at the moment. Why not? I have absolutely no idea. Well, I'm not really sure. Here's some irony for you. Carter, have this thing fixed like that. <laughs> he hasn't met Carter, though, has he? No. No offense there, Siler. Uh, none taken, sir. Oh, poor Siler. <laughs> Siler walks around with a big wrench. This is probably a bit beyond him. And there's powers in the microphone as well. <laughs> True. <laughs> there must be a battery back. I'm calling him. I assume the green light are probably some sort of chemical thing or independently yeah. battered. Hmm. You have one more day. Is it really wise to provoke him? Good question. Yes. That's what I do. <laughs> Honest answer. Fair enough, Jack. <laughs> Over two years ago, Toko provided us with the formula to the gold poison they developed. We've been modifying it, manufacturing as much as we can use as a defensive option in the event of another attack on Earth. See what I mean? Major Davis turns up when something goes wrong. Ooh. We think we can effectively neutralize and invade three Gould-occupied planets. Now, the poison is non-persistent, so there'll be limited time before potential reinforcements become a factor. And determining which of Ball's planets to target is still an educated guess. We're still gathering intel on exactly where SG-1's being held. This poison, has it killed Jaffa as well as Gould? That's right. Now, what are the odds that the SGC uses that weapon at some point? <laughs> of thousands. So it's not really a rescue plan. It's a full-scale attack. That would most certainly provoke a reaction, possibly another attack on Earth. But, considering the fact that we now have a ZPM to power the ancient defences... Oh, Davis, gung-ho. It's kind of a big step, though, isn't it? A two- or three-man raid into a facility is one thing. Basically... Yeah, major attack. Yes. Did you not find something of value on the planet of which I spoke? Oh, yeah, we did. Then why have you not released me? Or do you still believe you could trade me for your friends? Are his eyes actually a little bit brighter in this? Possibly. <laughs> oh, dear. Who wants to be in charge? Now, non-essential personnel are going to have to be evacuated. Everyone else is going to have to wear protective suits. You have to get General O'Neill to sign off on this right away. You know, he hasn't slept in over two days. Yeah, that's why I'm asking you to do it. Oh, clever. You ask him. I'm not going to ask him. <laughs> I never like being told I've got to wear a protective suit by a person in a protective suit. Yeah. I'm surprised you can joke at a time like this. That's pretty much all I can do at the moment. Oh, Mr. Pry is back again. Yeah. You can't dial the Stargate. The base is overrun by an alien plant. We did find his EPM. Sure. Machetes. Or machete. Give it another day. Hmm. You think you can get everything resolved by then? Wait a minute. Maybe there's a joke in there somewhere. See, it's not all bad. <laughs> He's Jack. Yeah, you would have thought the plan would have filled the shaft. Regretfully submit my resignation. And to be clear, the regret is not so much about the resigning part, but the fact that I was deluded enough to think I had possessed even one iota of the ability needed to fill your sizable and shiny shoes. Oh, well, Come on, Jack, you're thinking about that pay bump you're not going to get anymore. Oh, power's back. Dr. Lee just called down, sir. He feels confident the plant has been fully eradicated. I wish I did. Oh, and the, uh, the dialing computer is back online. <laughs> Confident. Oh, everything's coming up roses. Oh, well, actually, no, not. Not make any plant-related analogy, shall we? <laughs> Chevron 4 encoded. You releasing him? I made a deal. We got a ZPM. Yes. Look, I know we can finally dial Pegasus again and still defend Earth if we have to, but Chevron 5 encoded. A reference to uh, Atlantis? Yes. Control room. 
Dr. Lee, he says it's important. Yeah. Board the dialing procedure. Ah, he listens to the general when mm. Daniel told him to do it, he hesitated. <laughs> Basically, it shouldn't be glowing like this. Why is it? Well, it's funny, really. I like fun. No, this isn't the good kind of funny. I, I, I think it was the gamma radiation we used to kill the plant that revealed this. Revealed what? It illuminated a substance foreign to what we know to be the normal molecular makeup of a ZPM. And? Well, we, we managed to scrape some microscopic fragments from the casing and run some tests, and, uh... Well... <clears throat> you're gonna want these. Is it safe to actually stand next to it, then? Yeah. I mean, all this gamma radiation isn't really good for people. I seem to recall a certain TV series and movie franchise. Gamma radiation tends to be not good, but you need serious amounts of it to penetrate the skin. Oof. Oh, Christ, that's not good. Gamma penetrates, but it does the least damage. So a little speck of that mm. mineral actually blew a hole in the team. The ZPM is booby-trapped? <laughs> Take the goggles off, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's Dr. Horrible Lee. Yes. <laughs> sort of horribly. I couldn't resist that one. Imagine the, the magnitude of the explosion. A, a charged ZPM detonating that? I, I don't know. I mean, I could have destroyed the whole planet. That's why Camulus was so eager to leave. <laughs> you think? <laughs> yeah, Jack's had enough of that. Can you undo it? Uh. Uh, well, you know, we haven't actually... Yes or no? Good man. When you're given the choice yeah. of yes or no, say no. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Sincerity. Nah, no, I don't think so. You tampered with the power source so nobody else could. Did nothing of the kind. <laughs> yes, you can't me. Listen to him. <laughs> okay. Worth a try? Probably the first time I actually like the guy now. Will you play ball with us? How'd you like a chance to kill ball? In exchange. You want me to use the ancient device to trade for the lives of your friends? Exactly. I'm using. I think it's about time we got a bit of new stock footage of the gate. Right. <laughs> Coming with me? We're taking you to another planet first. I'll wait for SG1 there. I'm sure he could have come up with a better outfit for his godhood. Possibly. It's a bit old-fashioned, you know. Yeah, well, he's a ghoul, so he's probably arrogant enough to think he was good in anything. <laughs> Is it the monks of cool? Hmm. Okay, good news or not? Receiving SG-3's IDC, sir. Open it! They don't look happy. No. You're late. We thought we'd give it an extra hour, sir. We knew it was a long shot. Oh dear. Oh dear indeed. Thank you, Colonel. Dismissed. You failed me for the last time. Yeah, unless you're gonna actually drop Palpatine's voice in there. Vader's. Okay, James L. Jones. One day to zero hour. Mm. Uh, Colonel Reynolds would like a moment. Fine. He's in the gate room, sir. Been a long five days. Yes. That's <laughs> a Hitchcock to him. I'm going to admit, I'm in charge. Why am I going to them? Yes. Oh, dear. There's people in the canteen wondering where everybody is. What's going on? General, we just wanted you to know, whatever you decide, we're behind you 100%. You just need to give the order and we're ready to go. I know you are, Colonel. Basically, if I defy orders, yep. where were you, boss? <laughs> Is there all the SG teams? You would assume they can't be. He said they had 14 out there. Maybe mm. two or three have come back. All of you. Shouldn't we see, um, what's her name? Who? The blondie one that was in um, the foothold situation. Oh. Proving ground. It was on telly yesterday. <laughs> Civilian jacket. Where's the leather jacket? Come on, I want to see the leather jacket. Look at the names. Oh, there they are. Davidson, Prochaska. I'm 
so lonely, so lonely, so lonely and sad, real alone. Yep, somebody's got to clean up. Do we get to see his face? Made me wonder if it was somebody we should know. But of course, without a commentary, I've no idea. Nope. Good night, sir. Good night, Siler. Seems to come back. <laughs> yeah, my coming or going, I'm not quite sure anymore. Oh, there we go again. Now, wouldn't the IDC have been locked out after 48 hours? You would have thought so. Automatically locked out. Mm-hmm. Master Sergeant O'Brien, played by Pierre Bernard Jr. I believe he's well known to American audiences of The Tonight Show with Conan O'Brien. I see. Carter? Okay, how about rerouting? Depends if you're Canadian or not. <laughs> You've been in enemy hands. You know the protocol. There's no way of knowing if your iris code is secure. What the hell are you talking about? We're captured by all. Have we? What did we miss? Seven. We were trapped in an Oh, yeah. Why did Tilt miss with that first shot? He was a mile off. Yep. We're shut down and we won't be able to dial out again. Come on, Jack. This is why they pay you the big money. Just put your hand on the damn thing. <laughs> Open. Bring the blast doors down because you're going to get shot at. Like that. Yeah. What, they stopped shooting now? Possibly. It should be standing orders. If you see an open gate, fire through it. Mm-hmm. Unless, of course, you're going home yourself. Then you don't have to fire through it. Indeed not. <laughs> casual. Calm and casual. <laughs> Thank you, sir. So, trapped in a secret base all this time. Go figure. The wrist device allowed us access. We couldn't get back out. He thought Ball had captured us? That's what he said. How did he even know we were missing? Reynolds saw an alcash. Thought you'd blame in Reynolds there. Yep. Probably intercepted any radio chatter. That would explain the ambush. Balls couldn't find the base, but they figured if we turned up... It's a great story. I want to see the reports in triplicate. Did Anubis leave anything cool behind? Oh, don't say all this weren't for nothing. Not really, no. Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> that is to sum up the episode. Dress uniform. Yeah, very smart. Carter? How are you? I'm good, thanks for asking. Yeah. You're not going to dress for the occasion, sir? Well, you know me, I love dressing up. That's just on my way. <laughs> Jack. <Sir. laughs> He's in uniform, technically. I wanted to talk to Carter. you. Carter, your evaluation is done. And I think you'd be very pleased. <laughs> nice smile. Really? You had doubts? Honestly, I was wondering whether you were completely confident in my leadership skills. Confident with your leadership abilities, character, or your hairdressing abilities, there's a lot to be desired. This is these pair working very well together. Oh, pshaw. Pshaw. I don't think that's how you pronounce that. Dealing with the ambush, perfect. Should read what Tilk and Daniel wrote about your conduct under fire. Can I? No. Damn. Tilk said you were an animal. (laughs) (laughs) What were they doing underground? (laughs) Well, you know, three days, no showers. This is where I go to take off the clothes I prefer and don the clothes I abhor. Abhor. Uh, sir, quickly, I, I wanted to talk to you about something else. I was reading Dr. Lee's report about the tainted ZPM. I think he may have underestimated the explosive potential. I mean, it could have actually destroyed the entire solar system. You're going to still be dead. What's the difference? Well, my point is, if we figured it out, so could Ball. He could use it as a weapon against us. All true, Carter. Which is exactly why I didn't give Camulus the tainted one. Smart, Jack. Smart. Sir? I gave him the dead one. It's worthless, right? Ball's going to be pretty pissed at Camulus. <laughs> you think? <laughs> Jack really looked bothered. <laughs> oh, what a shame. <laughs> Zero hour. He needs some executive toys for his desktop. Yep. Nasty polished piece of wood, though. Walnut, it looks like. General, the president's motorcade is through the gates. He should be getting on the elevator momentarily. Uh, sir, I I think you should know I'll be leaving tomorrow. 
Yeah, I've had enough. <laughs> Five days. Terrible. Been here on a temporary special assignment from the president. Hmm. Have you? Oh? Sort of a civilian audit, if you will. Of the SGC? Of you. Hmm. Ooh. <laughs> Feel free to take a step backwards. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I know. You do? General Hammond told me. Well, he wasn't supposed to. Well, don't tell anyone. Ah. Well, um... <laughs> this is probably just Jack messing with you. It probably is. Like I said, he liked the guy. Fully endorsed you as the, the leader of this base. Uh-huh. Obviously, he's here. So, uh, what I mean is I just want you to know how much respect I have for what you do here. For you. Normally, Jack doesn't take to outsiders very well. The very fact that Hammond told him and he played along. Shall we? I'm very too sure we did go on awful missions. Oh, by the way, did you uh, let those Amran delegates go? I, I did, sir. Yes, uh, Major Davis said they seem much more willing to negotiate now. <laughs> you think they like the fruit basket? I think so, sir. Yes. Put a lot of thought into that. <laughs> Oop, I forgot all about them. Oh, camera zooms in on the letter. Mm-hmm. Which is two pages on. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Says it all. That was fun. That was Zero Hour. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. Very different sort of episode. But it's something I suppose they had to do to set Jack up because nobody would believe he'd settle into the role of uh, commanding officer without some sort of hiccups and anxiety. Indeed not. So that's pretty much zero. And that end, when the lines finish roaring at me, that ends this one of season eight. On the UK release anyway. It does. Next week. Oh God, it makes it so difficult now until we've settled down, doesn't it? Next week probably will be a mystery. Tune in to find out. <laughs> The next Stargate SG-1 episode will be Icon. That I know for sure. Okay, folks, that was Zero Hour. Join us next week for an episode of Stargate Atlantis. It is probably going to be 38 minutes. Ah. I see. <laughs> I haven't even found Blurb first year yet. We have an all-new Stargate Atlantis. The crew is trapped in the Stargate. I have less than 20 minutes to save our lives. Stop using your mouth and start using your brain. I apologize for being the only person who truly comprehends how screwed we are. Stargate Atlantis. So it's definitely the Stargate Atlantis episode 38 minutes next week. And we'd love to hear from you about that episode. And of course, Zero Hour, which we've just discussed. We already have an MP3 comment from Brad, so why not send something in to keep him company? If you do want to get in touch, then we have contact forms on the main website at gatecast.co.uk and our email address is thegatecast at gmail.com. You can do a general search for Gatecast on Facebook and Google+, and of course Stitcher Internet Radio. On Twitter we are listed under The Gatecast, which is one word. And let's not forget our listing on iTunes as Gatecast, and we are always on the lookout for some reviews and ratings on that resource. Keep in touch, spread the word, Stargate belongs to all of us. And we'll see you next week. Take care and bye-bye. Thanks for downloading, thanks for listening and goodbye from me as well. You've been listening to The Gatecast, hosted by Alan and Mike. Join us at gatecast.co.uk. Stargate forever. Bye.